I'm retired. Hashtag Tim and Friends. Of course, I go by the name of the kid, famous. You and now tuned into the Tim and Friends show. Hello, education, entertainment, coast to coast. Ball it up, call it entertainment. Let's get this started. Okay, Tim, let's start this show in five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. I'm unretired. This is Tim and Friends for March 14th, 2022. I am Tim, you are the friend, so is Jesse yeah. Rubinoff, and at least for today, Shai Davini, Nick Kiprios, and Blake Murphy. Added to the friends list, we'll see if I piss any of them off. Doubt it, doubt it. That was retiring and I enjoyed that. Unretiring. Yeah. 40 seconds, 40 days, what's the difference? Same thing, basically. What the hell's going on, Jesse? Like, is there enough for you right now? NHL, NBA, turning down the home stretch. Some crazy stories in Canada right now in the NHL. March Madness starts tomorrow. The baseball bonanza is underway. And just for good measure, none of that was the top story last night. Thank Tom Brady for that. Am I missing anything? Oh, we got some rumors, too. Just a couple. <laughs> oh, my God. What isn't going on? It's always Mondays. Like, the weekend, I, I get it. It makes sense. There's two days to a weekend, so Monday usually would be jam-packed, right? Yeah. But this one seemed like it was different than most. Did you come up with that on your own? Yeah. yeah nice. That was, that was quick. Two and days on the weekend. Did it all up here. <laughs> we get busy on Monday. <laughs> I wouldn't mind a three-day weekend, but that's <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying. <laughs> Every once in a while. Some reason we work stat holidays all the time on this yeah. show. I have no idea why. Yeah, I don't get that either. Uh, right. <laughs> I feel like uh, with trying to keep up with all of this is harder than, well, Harder than this. Ay, ay. She's a runner, she's a track star. She gon' run away when it gets hard. She can't take the pain, she can't get scored. She hurt anyone that gets involved. Did you see what that dude was doing? Yeah, I just don't know why you would do that. Well, well, rhetorical question, I guess. We had the video of the guy in the same area running forwards at full speed, and people were impressed with that. So what he's doing is saying, I see you, hold my beer, and I'm bringing my dog. Tim, you know everyone's just waiting for him to wipe out. Like, that's why everybody's watching. Okay, but the skill to do what it's he insane. just did I agree. is absolutely I insane. Yeah, we couldn't, yeah, I mean, we can't even run That was like a full sprint back pedal with a dog downstairs. Yeah, that's impressive. <laughs> that's, that's, a, he's hopping over multiple, oh no, it's just one step. I it thought takes it was, me six and a half seconds to run a 40. Yeah. You don't think that I'm impressed with that? <laughs> with his dog? <laughs> so good. Oh my God. He got down quicker down those stairs than the two of us at our 40 time. Oh, uh, that's so embarrassing. All of this right My now goodness. to keep up with is harder than that, but it is our job, so let's jump right into it. What's on tap, stubby clap? Oh. A little bit. Uh, very significant trade in baseball today as the Braves acquired first baseman Matt Olson from the A's in exchange for Christian Pash and the three other prospects. In fact, the deal includes three of the Braves top prospects overall with Olsen Crazy. in tow. It seems obvious that Freddie Freeman's time in Atlanta is done. Here's Braves GM Alex Anthopoulos, very emotional on the move. You keep saying that this is one of the toughest deals that you've had to make. It may be obvious because you keep talking about how many prospects you gave up. Is it anything beyond that or is it because of yeah, that? Yeah, sure, but I, you know, I can't get into that. So, um, you know, it's a tough deal. Okay, the reason why Alex Anthopoulos is crying is because Freddie Freeman's done in Atlanta, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's the only explanation. That's Freddie Freeman is done in Atlanta. So what does that mean? Well, if you're 
following a lot of the experts that we've had on this show. That means either he's going to the Los Angeles Dodgers or the New York Yankees. One of the two. Right, sure. But hold up. Just a split second here. Earlier today, Carlos Bayerga, who has his own podcast on YouTube in the Dominican Republic, that's uh, called, I believe, uh, Me Gusta Los Deportes. Jeez. Reported on Instagram this, Jesse. Okay, let me read quickly. Freddie Freeman yeah. to the Toronto Blue Jays with flames on the bottom. Now, take this for what it is, okay? This is unsubstantiated. We haven't confirmed. We are not denying, but we're just offering it forward for you at home. You're a big boy and or girl. You can decide on your own whether or not Carlos Bayerga is right. But before you judge Carlos Bayerga and Me Gustan Las Deportes, should get that right. Carlos Baerga was right on Marcus Simeon to the Toronto mm. Blue Jays and was met when he posted this on Instagram about a year ago. No flames. That he was wrong. And in the end, we can come to my computer, I believe Alex Sixero said it right when he said, never doubt Carlos Baerga. Hashtag Toronto Blue Jays. <laughs> With a link to John Heyman saying Marcus Simeon to the Jays. Not only was he right on Marcus Simeon, Jesse Rubinoff, as I see you shaking your head and rolling your eyes. He was right on Yimi Garcia as well. John Paul Morosi gave credit on his Yimi Garcia to the Blue Jays, crediting Carlos Bayerga for breaking the news. Where? Jesse Rubinoff? Yeah. On Instagram. On Instagram. Stay with me here, Jesse, if you can. How about this? It's not the first time that he has Instagrammed Freddie Freeman to Toronto. This was in November. Same post. Same post. Flames. Same flames. Although I believe <laughs> the logo for Me Gustan. He's lazy. Deportes. Um, it's translated, I believe. It's just I like sports. Yeah, that's good. Maybe I love sports. Either way, I'm, I'm not Spanish. I don't he needs know a social know. media team desperately. What can are you talking we, about? My guy's breaking stuff. He's got flames. <laughs> I would love it. Like, this is it, all impressive. Revolutionizing the game. You got Jeff, the next thing you know, Passin, Rosenthal, Morosi, you're all going to send out, I don't, you can't do it on Twitter, but just flames on Instagram every time they break something. We'll get a little bit aggressive. So but this is worthy of flames. Do you believe this? Yeah. Sure. I believe it. Carlos Baerga, it's no, it's no joke when someone puts flames in a graphic like that. You know he's telling the truth. Like, why would you lose so all what, credibility if he's What wrong? would they do with Vladimir Guerrero Jr.? Where would they put Freddie Freeman? Like, is you're not putting Vladdy back at third and playing Freeman at first after you put all that time into Vladimir Guerrero at first, are you? I think maybe Vladdy wants to play third. We'd have to have that conversation with Vladimir Guerrero Jr., I mean, you make room for both of these bats in the lineup, right? It doesn't really matter where they play at the end of the day. Well, you know, you, Freddie Freeman's going to be playing first. Vladdy, sure. Like, sure. Put him back at third. Because you also have a DH, right? Yeah, you have a DH as well. But there's, there's a lot of bats in this lineup. Like, a lot of bats in this lineup already before Freddie Freeman. 
So to move that around, I mean, it's an embarrassment of riches if Freddie Freeman does, in fact, come to the Toronto Blue Jays. It is a problem that they will like to have, Tim. Does Bayerga know Atkins and Shapiro from Cleveland? I'm just doing the math this in my good, head. Uh, baseball Domain, our friends there, tweeted this out. I only say our friends because they follow us, so I like people who like us and they follow us. Uh, check out Guriel's reaction to Bayerga's post of Freddie to Toronto, and if you see it, I'll use my cursor here right about <laughs> there. That's a shush emoji, Jess. It's a shush emoji! We have a shush emoji! I mean, that's, it's, that's it, right? That, that's, that's it. He's coming. That's, that's it. Yeah, that is it. That, that is emoji. it. If, if the shush emoji told you something, it tells you, this ish is happening. Oh, my goodness. And so, see, go back to uh, our friend Carlos Bayerga and the comments and Lourdes Guriel Jr., Unito Guriel's <laughs> shush emoji. Right underneath as I move my, uh, my cursor down, why Vladi que hacen Cornell? Where are they going to put Vladdy? Wow, is what they're saying that. in Spanish <laughs> as well with two replies. You know? I better not go down too far because they might be swearing <laughs> in Spanish and I would have no idea. Does any of this make sense? I'm just, again, we've done this before on this show. We believe that you are big boys and girls out there and you can make the decision on your own. I'm not saying it's done. We're working on it right now to see if this may have some truth to it. We have not received confirmation, but we're offering it up to you like we did back in the day with a bunch of different things that ended up being true. We did it with Ronaldo. Remember, mm. Dobby? Remember Ronaldo's move to Juve? We kind of laid out the tea leaves for you, and he ended up at Juve. There was another one that we did along the way, too. I forget what it was. Well, Maybe it's information, it was a hardened trade. Right? It's information. You're just, information. just presenting the information. Make you of it what with, you will. You do with it what you please. Exactly. We are just passing it on to you. Man, that would be interesting. If you were looking for a heavy left-handed bat in the lineup, Freddie Friedman would be a heavy left-handed bat in the lineup. The only concern I have is what you do with Vladdy and the conversations had to have been had with Vladdy because I don't know if you want to restart that third baseman thing. Jesse, I can see you frantically on your computer looking through things. Technology and stuff. I have something. Uh, Mark Luino, who is an MLB content creator, hearing Freddie Freeman to the Jays is a real possibility. Just one more to add to the list. MLB content creator. For who? Those people are never wrong. Giraffe neck Mark. <laughs> is that what? Can you go back to that? Giraffe, giraffe, giraffe neck, neck mark. mark. Yeah, I think he's poking fun at himself, I guess. So I like he's that. He's got a though. podcast. I respect that. For the Mets, <laughs> but giraffe neck Mark is. I'm uh, a fan. I'm hearing a fan. Freddie Freeman to the Jays is a real possibility. The likes climbing <laughs> as we put it on national TV. In I'm Canada. gonna follow. But I think we just got Mark Luino a lot of new followers. <laughs> yes. yes, we did. So we'll ask Shai Davidi. He is going to join us in about 10 minutes' time. Less than. Stick around, Jays fans. We'll see if there is any truth to this rumor surrounding Freddie Freeman. But again. If you listen to the people that we've had on the show, John Paul Morosi, Ken Rosenthal, a lot of them were pointing to the old guard of having the best chance at Freddie Freeman. It was either the Braves, which it seems like jam done, Yankees or Dodgers. Dodgers making probably the most sense because they've got the most money and they could use them. But there's your information for you on this Monday. Here's how we start the show. Let's go. I'm real. 
flames to start the show. Emoji makes flames. its debut. Love that. Here on Tim and Friends, I'm gonna and I love it. I'm going to use that more. I'm going to use that emoji more. Uh, okay, the Maple Leafs hosted the Sabres yesterday in Hamilton at the Tim Hortons Heritage Classic, but it was Buffalo who came away with a 5-2 victory. Peter Morazic allowed four goals on 37 shots, as the Leafs have now allowed four or more goals in six straight games, Tim. Making things worse earlier today, Austin Matthews was suspended two games for that cross-check right there on Sabres D-man Rasmus Dahlin. Timmy, let's start with Matthews. Is two games fair? Yes. And I understand Leaf fans who are pissed because you've seen other cross-checks in the past, but that doesn't mean that this one isn't a suspendable offense. He was mad. He was taking care of himself, which I kind of sort of like. And if it wasn't going to cost him something in the long run, I would say do that more. Austin Matthews, you're a big boy, and if people are going to take liberties with you, especially Rasmus Dahlin, then go ahead. If you drop the glove in the NHL and punch him in the face, it seems like it's okay. If you cross-check him in the head, that is a suspendable offense, although not always. Let's go through what Leaf fans are citing today. Uh, do we remember maybe... Wayne Simmons in the postseason yeah. against the Montreal Canadiens taking a cross-check to the head. Guess what? Nothing happened because of that cross-check to the head. For those who don't remember, here's Wayne Simmons in front of the net, challenging, and boom goes the dynamite. Edmondson comes over. Now, it didn't look great from that side. This side, you can see, okay, that's a suspendable offense. What's the difference? And it wasn't a suspendable offense. Uh, maybe the difference is the postseason. And maybe the difference is that it's Wayne Simmons. Maybe the difference is, I don't know. How about this one? Jonathan Drouin. I didn't mean to grab two Habs, Sebi. It just so happened. Here's a cross-check to the head of Tyler Sagan. This one's just a fine. I was looking at uh, an Oilers defenseman who cross-checked someone in the head, but I thought that one was just lifting your stick at the wrong time, so I didn't put that one into the mix. Uh, that one was just a fine. The difference is Matthews was mad. He turned, and oftentimes the NHL will punish those that are seen more often. And when you're at a Heritage Classic, a lot of people saw that one and jumped in. But I have no problem with two games. Do you have a problem with two games? Yeah, I, I think just based on the player that uh, Austin Matthews has been throughout his career, uh, Lady, Lady Bings, yeah. right? I, finalist, I think, yeah. Finalist. Um, yeah, he lost it a little bit there, I think. But... We're so quick to want to suspend players in this day and age. I think this is this is something that I mean we see it so we see quick. it on social media, right? We see how many games, how many games, are, like are you we about send our it own out there. How many games? How many games? And then, like a million people start talking about it, right? People want suspensions. It seems like in the NHL these days, and it seems like we've gotten away from I don't know five five in a game or a four minute double minor well, for something. See, see there, there you, you stumbled onto something there because I completely disagree with you. That's a suspendable offense anytime anytime you look at it. Sure. I don't care who that is, and I called for the same thing when Wayne Simmons was suspended. Mm. I think that's a suspendable offense. Um, now, you may disagree, and you might say neither should be suspended, but I got a feeling a lot of the same Leaf fans who are saying this shouldn't be a suspension today were saying that the Wayne Simmons should have been a suspension on Joel Edmondson in last year's playoffs. Yeah, you're probably, you're probably right about the that. The five in a game, though, is the part of it where there's a point to be made here. If you get the five in a game at the point... This was late in the game. Mm -hmm. Didn't really mean much to give him five in a game at that point. That's, that's fair. And had he gotten the five in a game, maybe it only would have been a game or a fine. 
because you saw Durant leaving that game, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. He got five in a game and then was fined. So that might, if you're looking for some sort of sense from the Department of Player Safety, that might be the difference. Like if it was in the first period, maybe he only gets one game because he gets ejected and right, and that's that. But this was in the third period. Yeah, which probably worked against him. Uh, do you think the goaltending situation with Peter Mrazek can get uh, any worse? Because I, I know on uh, Friday I said can't start him because they have no confidence in him, and he lets in four goals again. So what do we do here if you're uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs? We ask Kyle Dubis what his confidence is in his goaltenders, and uh, he can give you the answer. The reality is that um, you know we still. I mean, obviously we've had an injury uh, in the meantime to Jack Campbell, and uh, and with regards to Peter, he didn't have a good night on Thursday night. But he's played nearly 300 games in the NHL and been a 9-10 goaltender over 300 games. It's not as though he's played a year or two and now he's struggling for the first time. He's a veteran guy that's been able to overcome this in the past, and uh, we believe that he will. And then we'll get Jack back and healthy. At the same time, I think our our fans and and everybody saw the other night that. Uh, you know, Eric Shelgren can come in and, and, and play as well. And Joe Wall has already played this year and played well for us. So we feel we have four guys that can all come in and, and play. Jack and Peter are obviously the two proven NHL guys, and, and that's what our focus is on. Do you believe him? No. So that's Elliot Friedman talking to Leafs no. GM Kyle Dubas. Now, I know a lot of people are taking that word for word. I also, being the pessimist that I am, am like... Maybe he's just saying that so people don't think he's shopping for a goalie when, in fact, he's shopping for a goalie. Yeah, I think there's that. And I also think he's speaking to the room here that they have confidence in Peter Mrazek because it's pretty clear when you watch them play, the, the, the goals are incredibly deflating. Like that third goal from the goal line, basically, like that cannot go in against a National Hockey League goalie. So I think he's trying to rally them. He's trying to rally the room and say, hey, like this guy was an NHL goalie in the past who, who did a good job and it hasn't worked out for him yet, but continue to have faith in him because we, that's who we have now. We have so what other if, option do we have? If, well, you go out and make a trade. They have to. They have to. They have to. So you think that what Dubas said was just to give faith to his guys. Until they make a move. Until they make a move. Yes. But does that not, like, if you do that to a room... Do you not cause some distrust in your own guy when you go out and say something and then less than a week later, because the deadline is a week away? Well, I'm not sure that he knows for, I think he's going to try to make a move for a goalie, but I mean, it depends what the price is. But I still think given the current situation, like you have to address what's going on right now and what, what's happening right now is they have no goaltending. And this has been a two-month thing, at least. Well, there's the uh, save percentages since yeah. January. I mean, 9th. how many games? Like, it's impressive the amount of points that they've been able to pile up given an 873 save percentage. So, how much of this has to do with the defense and how much? Is, like, listen, I, I'm I'm out here listening to Leaf fans calling for Dubis's head. I'm no. out here listening to Leaf fans saying you need a new goalie. How many times have I heard that refrain before? Yeah. Need a new goalie. The last goalie that you had, Freddie Anderson, is in Carolina, absolutely tearing it up. Maybe it's not the goalie. Maybe it's the team around the goalie. But the easiest answer always is to pile the pressure on the goalie. And listen, like, how many times have the Leafs in the last 10 years buckled under the pressure? Mm -hmm. How many times? Like, you can go back to the 18-wheeler and Brian Burke. Like, Leaf fans go from literally in that game chanting MVP for Austin Matthews to, oh, my God, we need a goalie fire Dubis. 
And you're sixth in the NHL. Like, take a big, deep breath. Figure out that your defense needs to get better. And I think that's, if, if I am Kyle Dubas right now, it's not the goaltending. I go out and get Ben Sherratt. I go out and get a big, tough defenseman who moves people from in front of the net instead of that same guy who has puck possession but turns it over at the worst time and gets danced on defense. How many times do you have to go through the same thing? Mm -hmm. That's what I think the Leafs should do. And we'll see what happens with Jake Muzzin, obviously, as the uh, playoffs draw This this is the Jake Muzzin appreciation tour right now. Yeah, definitely. Every Leaf fan that was absolutely ripping him and Hall to start the season. Ripping them. Now is like, where's Jake Muzzin? Muzzin, I mean, hopefully he's feeling okay. He's dealing with concussions, but he's just sitting back. How do you like me now, Leaf fans? How do you like me now? Meanwhile, lots to talk about in the Western Conference. The Flames earned a 3-0 shutout against Detroit on Saturday, then were shut out themselves the very next night in a 3-0 loss to the Colorado Avalanche. In Edmonton, Connor McDavid scored twice, and Miko Koskinen made 31 saves as the Oilers beat Tampa 4-1. The Jets beat the Blues 4-3 in OT, but lost Andrew Kopp in the process. That's a tough one. While the Canucks have now lost back-to-back games after winning three straight. Tim, how many Canadian playoff teams will the Western Conference produce I have no idea because look at the standings. It's absolutely convoluted. And listen, I don't know what Bruce Boudreaux's team does in the meantime, but you look at their numbers under him, and it's remarkably impressive. Yeah. I, they, they win two close games over the weekend, and they're in a playoff spot. Right now, as it sits, they're three points back of the Vegas Golden Knights who are struggling and don't have Robin Leonard. Like, th- this, this is going to go down to the wire The Winnipeg Jets are right there. They're all of a sudden just four points out of a playoff spot. There is a bunch of teams all clogged up here, and I have no idea how it ends up. (laughs) But the Oilers go on a mini run, and all of a sudden they're third in the Pacific Division. Like, this is whatever happens over the the last few games in the Western Conference, it is going to be fun as hell to watch. And, no, wouldn't surprise me. If the Ve- imagine Jack Eichel goes to Vegas and they miss the playoffs. Big yikes. Oh my God. But listen, let it play out a little bit and it'll be interesting to see if this changes Vancouver's idea. Those two close games, they came out flat last night mm-hmm. against a team they can't come out flat against. Down two nothing. JT Miller, of course, scores because that's what he does. He's unreal. But uh, like they win those two games and they're in the postseason. This is going to be fun as hell to watch in the West. Can't wait. And maybe you were onto something with the Jack Eichel take from, from last week. Just Maybe there's just something about Jack Eichel yeah, I don't that he wanna, brings to a team. I don't want to pin that on him. I think the Buffalo Sabres let him down, and I thought I said as much, but people took it a different way. Yeah. I'm just saying don't rip on fans yeah. who have not been served for about 15 years. Long, long time. Yeah. Uh, so we're 20 minutes in. And we have yet to address the fact that Tom Brady's retirement was uh, incredibly short-lived. 40 days after hanging up his cleats, the GOAT announced yesterday on social media he'd be returning to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to play in his 23rd NFL season, saying he has, quote, unfinished business. Brady is a seven-time Super Bowl champion, five-time Super Bowl MVP, three-time league MVP, and is the all-time leader in passing yards and touchdowns. Tim. Yes. What happened in the last 40 days? Uh, I thought Ryan Clark, uh, former Pittsburgh Steelers safety, a man who I uh, interviewed on the field at the Super Bowl, is turning into a star at ESPN, uh, called it right when he tweeted out, uh, Rob Zito, if you can take my computer, Tom's kids must be bad as hell. (laughs) (laughs) So good. 
40 days is all he could handle with his wife and kids, and now he's back to football? What the hell Like, is I've going heard on? of people getting bored in retirement, but that usually lasts longer than 40 days. Listen, my guy's unfinished business. He spent two years in Tampa, won one Super Bowl. He's a seven-time Super Bowl champ. He's a five-time Super Bowl MVP. He's won three NFL MVPs. He's won a comeback player of the year. And my guy tweeted out, Unfinished business. (laughs) That is amazing. Can you imagine being the dude that could do that? 23 NFL seasons, an unprecedented seven Super Bowl rings. You led the league in passing, and you're basically a geriatric, and you say hashtag unfinished business. Man, I wish I could live that life. I wish I could live that life. Is he a thirst trap? Like, what's the deal here? Why is he doing this? Are we? Are we giving? Hey, we can't just throw thirst trap around. That's Aaron Rodgers. To I don't own. think he is. I don't think he is. I'm a fan. Uh, Field Yates, I thought, had it right. Uh, Tom Brady's last nine seasons: uh, 2013 lose Super Bowl game, 2014 win Super Bowl, 2015 lose playoff game, 2016 win Super Bowl, 27. Are you sensing a bit of? Uh, like he's used to it. This is what he does. And I think that he does not like losing, and that's why he's back for 2022. Now they've got to figure out some things against the salary cap, but I wouldn't bet against Tom Brady. How could you? The road is littered with folks that have bet against Tom Brady. Man's unreal. Uh, okay, shifting to basketball. The Toronto Raptors continue their road trip tonight in L.A. as they visit the Lakers. You can watch it on Sportsnet and Sportsnet One. It was a huge weekend for the Raps, first taking down the NBA's best team in the Phoenix Suns on Friday, then going into Denver and beating the Nuggets the very next night after unreal. a tough start to March. What have we learned about this team in the past week? Hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. A classic. And yes, the Raptors lost to bad teams, but they were missing guys. That's how thin the margins are for this team. They worked their ass off. I'm going to have more on this a little later on. Blake Murphy is going to join me, and I want to talk about the culture because I'm not sure people are appreciating just what the Raptors have built. Think of this for a second. The Raptors go into tonight's game against the Lakers Eight games better than LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and Russell Westbrook. Let that sink in for a second, and we'll readdress it a little later on in the show with Blake Murphy. By the way, yeah, I've been told, yeah, yeah, you have that Vladimir Guerrero Jr. That's right has liked the Instagram post from Carlos Baerga. This is really real. See, hold on, wait a second. There we go. There it is. There it is. Liked by Vladdy Jr. 27. This is really becoming a thing, Tim. (laughs) Is this going to happen live on Tim and Friends? Freddie Freeman to the Toronto Blue Jays. Shai Davidi is coming up next right here on the show. Nick Kiprios also on the Austin Matthews suspension, the Leafs goaltending, and more. Blake Murphy ahead of the surging Raptors and the struggling Lakers. And up next, we're just over three weeks away from opening day, and it is heating up. Dunedin, Jays, Davidi, all next right here on Tim and Friends. See if there's an update. Who else like this? Spring training officially open. You say Kikuchi. Really will position the Blue Jays to be very, very strong contenders in the American League East. 
Oh my God, you really can't dance. What are you doing with your legs? Then he hit Estroza on it. Scores from an impossible angle. Hit Estroza, and the Sabres have the lead. Rises up, and he rattles in a three. Trent Jr. Best team in the NBA, Phoenix. And then Denver, what a performance. Now we're to win, like, like we can go out there and compete against anybody. get hopes up on this Freddie Freeman to Toronto rumor as published by Carlos Baerga on his Instagram feed. However, it is worth noting that Vladimir Guerrero Jr.'s Instagram profile has on the bio, God first, and then Toronto Blue Jays third baseman. Does that mean that he's moving back to third base for the Toronto Blue Jays before you get your underwear up in a bunch. Keep in mind, in January of this year, he also had Toronto Blue Jays third baseman on his Instagram. But that mm -hmm. hasn't been updated. It hasn't been changed. We are, again, offering up this information for your perusal. Thank you, shout out Nick Ashburn, who tweeted it out after everyone got really excited when they saw that <laughs> Vladimir Guerrero Jr. had Toronto baseman, Toronto third baseman on his bio. Yeah, it's amazing how like one person can just tweet his Instagram profile in this day and age. And it's, it's, it's said that for that, a number of months. That one's worked out before. We've and had guys just, unfollow other guys, yeah. and it was proof of a beef. God be Jesse. careful. You got to be very careful these days. Uh, Shai Davidi is down in Florida, and he joins us now from Florida. Uh, I don't know if I should take the tongue that I have planted in my cheek out, Shai. Like, what's the latest on Freddie Friedman now that we know? And and I think that you could probably confirm this: the way that Alex Anthopoulos responded to the Matt Olson deal, it's over in Atlanta for Freddie Friedman. Yeah, I mean, it certainly seems that way. And look. You know, I, I don't want to spoil your guys' uh, attempts to uh, really flood the market with Freddie Freeman Blue Jay jerseys before <laughs> anything's actually happened. Yes. Uh, I, this, this is what I can tell you. I spoke to someone this morning, and that person said that, you know, the Blue Jays have been poking around on Freddie Freeman, uh, as they have all along. Uh, not necessarily that it was a priority. Uh, I did hear, as Ken Rosenthal reported last night, uh, that they, they have been pretty aggressive on Kyle Schwarber. Uh, I heard that there is maybe even a scenario where they could try to find a way to, to get both guys, uh, even though that would in involve some, some other roster juggling. Uh, beyond that, a lot of people are being quiet right now, which isn't necessarily indicative one way or the other. You know, I think we should be careful. We don't want people to take two and two together, get five, and assume that that's the right answer. Uh, just because everybody wants it to equal four. So, you know, I understand the excitement. It is interesting. But what's clear is that the destination where everybody thought Freeman was going to go back to is not there anymore. And uh, so right now, you know, there are other possibilities. I mean, he's going somewhere else, and it's just a matter of where. Okay, so again, uh, let us throw out there as we see Freddie Freeman in a Canadian jersey at the World Baseball Classic. All we're doing is offering up 
the information as we see it on the internet. Uh, these are big boys and girls that watch this show. Uh, they can decide what they want to do with it. We're not suggesting any way, shape, or form that this deal is done in any way, shape, or form. Hopefully that is enough of a preamble to say what number will he wear in front. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding, Sean. So, <laughs> where will he bat in the lineup? Yeah, How many RBIs will he get? Right. So, but this, this is the type of bat that the Jays are looking to add, right? Like a solid swinger, and if he's left-handed, that makes it all the more valuable to what was a pretty unbalanced lineup last year. Yeah, I mean, he's perfect, right? Like, he's perfect in every way except the position that he plays. And he's exactly the type of offensive player that you want. He's exactly the type of leader and clubhouse presence and teammate that you'd want. Uh, you know, the profile fits to a T exactly what they need. I mean, you know, put him 3-4, him and Guerrero 3-4, Teoscar at 5 or something along those lines. Oof. That plays. It's pretty good. Uh, you're not you're not worried about Marcus Simeon's lost production at that point. Uh, you know, like it is a bit of an, un it, if it was to happen, it would be an unconventional fit. Yeah, and you'd have really two first base DH types. Right. I, I would expect that you would see those two players dominating those two spots. You know, the, the idea of Vladimir Guerrero Jr. moving back to a third base I mean, it makes sense in some ways, but I do believe there is a school of thought that maybe the prevailing one where leave well enough alone, right? He obviously had a bit of a delayed transition to the majors in terms of when he reached the the, ability, the talent and the performance that we expected to see from him. Uh, and he unlocked it at first base last year. He was, you know, moving towards uh, an elite defender at first base as well. You know, I understand certainly you would, consider disrupting that for a player of you know Freeman's talent and ability but you know I think maybe a likelier scenario would be you know the, them splitting time between first base and DH uh, and trying to address the other other spots in the infield in another way. Uh, Shot, we're going to be back to you in about 30 seconds here. I think they need to uh, change a battery or something on the camera. Jesse's got a tweet. We'll be back to you in a flash, okay? Uh, Shai Davidi will rejoin us in a flash uh, and that, listen, the left-handed big bat oftentimes profiles as a first baseman or a DH, mm. and that makes the Vladdy to third base even more intriguing, though I tend to agree with Shy on this. Like, leave well enough alone. The guy raked as a first baseman. He was really good at first base unless he wants to play third and has expressed that repeatedly to the club, put me back at third, I think you leave him at first. I think you look at um, a lot of teams around the majors and you look at a team like the Dodgers or the Yankees back in the day, like these teams found ways to fit great bats in the lineup. When you right. have that many good players, you just make it work. Uh, all right, Shy is back. And Shy, we were just talking about Vladdy to third and kind of expanding on the idea of Vladdy to third. The only caveat that I throw into that, because I, I tend to completely agree with you, the guy raked at first. Why would you mess with that? But does Vladdy want to play third? I don't. Th I think there were there was a point where he really wanted to. I don't know that he necessarily wants to as much as he did in the past. I, I haven't had a chance to talk to him about it recently. But it seemed that he was pretty content at first base, and he'd committed himself to being a really good first baseman, and he understood that, you know, the way. He could contribute defensively in terms of saving errors for his teammates uh, at, by scooping balls. Like he had a chance to really pour into his teammates at 
first base in a way that would have been different than if he was at third. Yeah. And he really invested himself in that. You know, I had a conversation with infield coach Louis Rivera last year. And he was saying that, you know, some first basemen, if they don't scoop a ball from a guy, they're like, well, you know, I tried, tough throw, what can I do? But Vladdy would be mad about it. He would take it personally and be like, I should have gotten that and I should have saved the error for that guy. And, you know, that's the type of dedication that he put into the, that position. So, uh, I mean, I think, again, look, if you, if you have the potential for a Freddie Freeman, that's significant. You're obviously going to maybe have a more open mind to things. But... He seemed pretty dedicated and locked into first base last year. You say Kikuchi. I say he is now a Blue Jay and a pretty damn good fit. Uh, what did you think about the addition of Yusei Kikuchi? Yeah, really interesting. It's, you know, when you think about where the market had gone, you know, uh, Carlos Rodon had just signed. Uh, I think Kikuchi was there. And, you know, if you're looking at sort of other starters beyond that, uh, you were starting to get into some dice rolls. And not to say that Kikuchi is a lock by any stretch of the imagination, but there's enough stuff there that you can say, all right, we can tweak some things and, you know, we could do some things differently than the Mariners had him doing and get a better outcome. And something the Blue Jays have had success with in recent years with Robbie Ray, Stephen Matz, you know, the Blue Jays are obviously hoping that it's a similar story with Kikuchi here. Uh, And, you know, I think they... They saw enough tools to bet on it. And, look, he doesn't have to be Steven Matz or, or Robbie Ray. You know, he has to – if he can be consistent in the fifth spot of the rotation, you know, they'll do cartwheels. You know, if he's, if he's going five innings, giving up three, four runs, you know, every fifth day, uh, that would be plenty for them. And if there's anything over and above that, that's gravy. So uh, an interesting move, locks in another starter, gives them some more depth. And, uh, you know, they have something that – nobody or very few other teams in the majors have which is a lot of depth in the rotation uh the ability to withstand some injuries and some underperformance uh and it looks like they have that to project out for a few years as well i feel like it's almost unfair every time the jays pick up a guy we bring up the the mats or the rays and how they were reformed by the jays and pete walker is expected to sprinkle some sort of magic dust dust on kikuchi and that's not what i'm suggesting here but as a fifth guy as as you mentioned, uh, that's a different ask than putting him in where the Jays would have put him in, say, like two years ago as a three or even a two. All right, before I let you go, i got to ask about this Donaldson to the Yankees. Were you surprised by that move between the Twins and the Bronx Bombers? I'm not surprised that the Twins moved Donaldson. You know, there was some chatter around that. And look, I think a lot of these trades that you're seeing right now, my guess is that there was probably some traction on them before the lockout. Then, you know, the progress paused, and then a lot of that picked up now. You know, these deals aren't coming out of nowhere. So, you know, I don't think this is a a huge surprise. And to me, it's a super intriguing deal for the Yankees, right? Because, look, Gary Sanchez has been a bit of a, a, a conundrum for them in recent years and you know they were intrigued by the bat they liked the offense they didn't want to give up on them but it was an issue defensively when he was behind the plate for them which caused some problems and maybe they weren't able to leverage their pitching staff fully with him behind the plate uh, and so they erased that issue uh, and then they bring in Donaldson who you know if he's if he's healthy he's going to hit and he can be a real factor. It's going to be a good stadium for hit. It's going to be an interesting stage. But, uh, you know, somebody who was with the Blue Jays at 15-16 texted me after that deal yesterday and said, this is going to be some great theater. 
And it really is like, you know, Donaldson on that stage and that market, like it can be volatile. It's got a chance to have some edge, some histrionics. I think it's going to be a great scene. It's going to be great to watch over the next year. So there's a shortstop included in this deal. And I know Yankee fans are screaming for Carlos Correa to get done. Does that end the Carlos Correa to the New York Yankees talk? Well, I mean, like, look, the New York Yankees in recent years, they're not operating like the George Steinbrenner New York Yankees, right? Like, they are, you know, the Garrett Cole, they they made the big deal for him, but they've been pretty selective in the big contracts that they've handed out in in recent years. So I'm not saying that it's not a total surprise. And, look, there's some history there from the Yankees-Astros playoff series in recent years where, you know, there was some conversation about how uh, you know Correa might have fit into that clubhouse and how whether or not he would have been accepted maybe that's a factor but I mean we just haven't seen the Yankees spend like the Yankees of old you know I mean Steve Cohen and the Mets are becoming the new Yankees which is uh, pretty interesting to watch so I don't know that we should necessarily be too surprised by it because we've seen a a type of discipline uh, to the Yankees that we hadn't seen in years past when it was like we're getting the best dudes and too bad for everybody else in baseball. Uh, Shai, always great catching up with you. Sorry if we uh, lit a fire that you now have to answer to on Twitter. (laughs) Um, But I'm sure there'll be be more over the day. Appreciate you, buddy. Yeah, anytime, guys. Talk soon. There is Shai Davidi enjoying the uh, lush surroundings. Yeah, he'll be okay. He'll be okay. Florida. Uh, we got something from John Morosi. I don't know if you've seen this one. Yeah, I saw it. Blue Jays have had conversations with Freddie Freeman's camp and conveyed serious interest as his free agent decision nears. Sources confirm. That basically means he signed, right? No. <laughs> no. Do we have time for one more tweet? But, sure. Uh, the Iron Sheik has written into the show. Cameraman Zoom It at Tim and Friends. <laughs> know who the real is. Freddie Freeman, world class player, Toronto, world class city, Bubba. Cameraman <laughs> Zoom It! And Sheiky Baby, we always got time for you. Chetori Hubi, Sheiky? Time for a break. When we come back, sorry, I was just speaking some Farsi to Shiki. Uh, we will have some Monday fun because we all need it in times like this. Plays of the week are next right here in Tim and Friends. Can we add Sheik to the plays of the week? I don't know if they can turn around that quickly. Iran number one. All right, I'll stop there. Never mind. All right, Jesse, like I said, I'm not trying to pour gasoline on the fire. Okay. Blue Jays tweeting while we were in the commercial break. Uh-oh. Official. We have signed Yusei Kikuchi to a three-year. <laughs> oh, They're making it official. It's oh, a contract. No. We can zoom it out. I mean, that's still good Cameraman, news. zoom it out. <laughs> this makes you smile. Yeah, and then we have signed... You see, Kikuchi. I'll just sit over here and keep refreshing all day long. Because <laughs> so that's where it's going to come so from. So a three-year right? contract, it is official, it is signed. Now, do we get one that says Freddie Freeman by the end of the day? What did Bayerga say, today or tomorrow? Please, yeah. stay tuned. Do you have anything? You're looking down. No, all no, right. I'm just refreshing Vladdy's uh, Instagram profile page. You know what it says over there? Tim and Friends Plays of the Week. 
Let's do the plays of the week, kids. It is that time again. The plays are back, and we are hyped up. At least, I think we are. You know what I'm saying, Jesse? We're hi- well. Oh, no. I'm not no. sure what the hell that God, is. That's a play of the week? What are we doing <laughs> Well, there, there, it is the highs and lows <laughs> of the last week in the world of sports. Uh, yes, clear them out if you need to. Is that smelling salts or something different, Jesse? That's gross. That's gross. Uh, Islanders and Ducks. We all know the guy. (laughs) Do we? Yeah. Yeah. Who are you thinking? No, no. We all know a guy. a guy who would do that. The guy in your group that would exactly do that. Uh, John Gibson, great stick save. Look at this. is Connor McDavid. You know who the defenseman is? Yeah, one of the best. Victor Hedman. Yeah. Just got danced. Uh, how do you oh, feel no. about this as a former I, I did that plenty of times. Did you really? Yeah, yeah I did. It's just not on tape. Uh, and a reminder, uh, Kyle Dubas is happy with his goalies. <laughs> that a was reminder. a very good line. That was a very good line. Kyle Dubas is happy with his goalies. Uh, Vladimir Guerrero play first, DH play third. He is still going to smash balls. It's so unfair that he can do that. Uh, by the way, if you need a reliever, maybe check out this dude playing a little dodgeball. Jay's going to sign him next thing we know. <laughs> uh, Alright, let's get to Jackie Moon, who uh, still got some game. Mm, Even though he looks older <laughs> and older. Not a little lift. And older. Uh, Jesse, you like cashews? Oh! Oh! Jalen! What can Brown do for you? Uh, He can put it on you, is what he can do. Rockets, Pelicans, Jackson Hayes in game between the legs. Yeah. Huh? Mm. They're on the playoff spot yet, are they? Uh, Lakers season not going so well, but they can't blame this one on Russell Westbrook. Here's LeBron getting (laughs) danced by Eric Gordon. Uh, How's this for a wardrobe malfunction? Let's play a game of basketball. Both of us wearing white jerseys. We should have just see how it went. Memphis, OKC, both wearing <laughs> their white jerseys. Let's go to the game sheet and see who should be wearing our darks. It's Memphis. Get the hell out of here. We've all seen this Key and Peel sketch where we have uh, specific handshakes based on their demographic. You know, some get daps and head taps, others get handshakes. Mm-hmm. Well, how about this Wemblemore Jr. in game doing the exact same <laughs> thing? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Love that. Uh, and finally, we've got a puppy race in Phoenix with no race. They've been in training for this moment their whole entire life. <laughs> okay, the referee is watching. She's seeing what moves yeah, are this being is a made. Puppy race again. Not interesting. Just put a treat at the end of the thing. They're puppies. I mean, they they look like they're a week old, all of them. Sometimes, though, dogs are just cute. Yeah, who cares about the race, ultimately, right? (laughs) Right. Uh, And that is the plays of the week here on Tim and Friends. Yeah, big big puppy guy. Are you a big puppy guy? Yeah, I know Snoop's. A bigger dog, but puppies. What kind is your dog? A multi-poo? Multi-poo, yes. Yeah, he's got a multi-poo. Multi-poo. That's cute. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm the type of person that might have a multi-poo. We'll see if yeah, Nick yeah, Kiprios yeah. has a multi-poo. <laughs> Joining us next, uh, Jesse works with and lives with a half-Maltese. <laughs> when we come back, Nick Kiprios. I'm, I'm half-Maltese. <laughs> no, I got that part. I don't know what the poo part is. <laughs> Nick Kiprios, Blake Murphy, all coming up. Do the Leafs need a goalie? Or more, we'll discuss next. Week away from the deadline. Tim and friends, time for Tim and friends. Tim and friends. Tim and friends, time for Tim and friends. 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 Tim and fri
now time for Real Sports Talk with Tim McAuliffe and friends of the show. One of the busiest days of the year. Thank you very much, Sheepdogs. Back here, hour number two, full hour on Sportsnet and Sportsnet 360 ahead of Rogers Hometown Hockey. Coyotes and Lascens will check in with Ron and Tara shortly. Plus, Nick Kiprios coming up in mere moments from now as we break down a week before the deadline, what could happen in the National Hockey League? Plus, Blake Murphy to tee up the Raptors and the Lakers. But first, here is your news of the day. The Leafs' Austin Matthews has been suspended two games for his cross-check on Rasmus Dahlin in Sunday's Heritage Classic. Now, the play it happened late in the game. The Leafs trailing 4-2 after Matthews and Dahlin tussled in front of the net. Will cost Matthews his first NHL fine or suspension on this tomorrow night's game against the Stars. Thursdays against the Hurricanes. Matthews currently leads the NHL with 45 goals, six ahead of Leon Draisaitl, is looking to become the NHL's first 60-goal scorer since 2012. More with Kipper in a minute. The Raptors roll into LA, winners of three straight, impressively. San Antonio, all right, but Phoenix on the road, then back to back with Denver without. Freddie Van Vliet will face the Lakers tonight, a game you can see on Sportsnet and Sportsnet 1. Study with a pregame at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 Pacific. LeBron James is also listed as questionable with knee soreness. Anthony Davis remains out for the Lakers. Uh, Freddie questionable again, as mentioned. OG, agent. OG Ananobi and Malachi Flynn are both out. Blake Murphy will sort it all out with you a little later on. Baseball and bad news for Fernando Tatis Jr. He will miss three months fractured wrist no indication exactly when the injury happened but it has since flared up now remember they had no contact with players during the walkout and my guy hit 42 home runs in about 130 games last year Padres once again expected to break through this year after falling failing to deliver last season significant trade in baseball today the Braves acquired first baseman Matt Olson from the A's in exchange for Christian Patch and three other prospects. In fact, the deal includes three of the Braves' top six prospects overall. Here's Alex Anthopoulos and what it means to Freddie Freeman. It may be obvious because you keep talking about how many prospects you gave up. Is it anything beyond that or is it because of Yeah, sure, prospects? but I, you know, I can't get into that. So, um, you know, it's... Which means that Freddie Freeman is gone. Uh, Nick Kiprios has joined us in studio. Uh, have you been hearing what's going on with Freddie Freeman yeah. and the Carlos Baerga rumors? And I know you're a Jays fan. It's getting a little closer. <laughs> you think maybe? Where's he going to play? Actually, first. That's. What, I mean, Shy and I were talking about first DH. I'll take him anywhere. Right? Like, I mean, you can play him at DH a lot. He's not like he's a spring chicken, but you can play him at first. You platoon Vladdy there, and then there's the idea that maybe Vladdy would go back to third, but I wouldn't mess with that. That ball's going to be in big trouble, man, every night. <laughs> oh, if he came to Toronto, yeah. You wouldn't worry about uh, Marcus Simeon's lack of production if he leaves. So for those just joining us, Carlos Baerga, take it for what it is, saying that he believes Freddie Freeman is going to Toronto. And when you add flames on the bottom of an Instagram post, Kipper, I think you mean business. He, he, he has broken a few in the past, too, right? He's yeah, got he a decent record. Yeah, he, he broke Marcus Simeon there you go. to the Jays. He broke Yimmy okay. Garcia to the Jays. And he also called this Freeman like a couple months ago, and it didn't happen. 
What kind of numbers are we talking about here? It'll be significant. I don't know that yet. We'll see if we'll we'll see if Carlos uh, gives us a number a little later on. So a number was dropped for the Leafs Austin Matthews yeah. today. Two games. Do you have a problem with it? No, not at all. That's pretty standard here. And people were wondering would he get preferential treatment? Would he have gotten the I've never been in trouble before? No, that's just a standard cross check. Uh, the last three or four years, it's been a two gamer. No question about it. And, uh, you know, when you when you see the kind of the healthy run that uh, Cousins took at uh, him at the end of the game at center ice, uh, better two games off a of suspension than a separated shoulder or concussion. I didn't like the, the run that Cousins had at the end of this outdoor game. Uh, but uh, I think all said and done, uh, maybe two games is, is actually a good thing for the Leafs. You know, not maybe not good for chasing a... A record for right. uh, for goals, but let's see what the rest of the team does without a guy that's been really carrying the team on yeah. on the on his back along with Marner. Outside of those two, a lot of underachieving going on right now in that lineup. It's interesting because uh, I want to get to that. Obviously, the 36 goals in 37 games, they're going to miss the dude that has put up those 36 goals in 37 games. But Jesse and I were talking in the commercial break how we're both kind of old school guys who enjoy the rough stuff in the game of hockey. Kenny Reed always comes in here yeah. every Wednesday talking about old-time hockey. And part of me was happy that Matthews stood up for himself like that. But the other part of me was, and I've been saying this all along, like, it's great to have Wayne Simmons in your lineup, but if you have to play him on the fourth line, like, is there concern in the Leafs lineup that he had to do that for himself and then, at the end of the game, got run by Dylan Cousins? Yeah, with no Simmons on the ice, on yeah. the bench. I put that on Sheldon Keep. Why? It's 5-2. Right. First of all, if he's going to be out there at 5-2, why? To get the next goal? To get closer to a record? Like, there's only 90 seconds left. Matthews shouldn't have been out there to begin with, but if you're going to have him out there, have Wayne Simmons beside him, not Kasha or Bunting. Right. So, they would argue that they're trying to get a goal, maybe make it interesting. No, 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 no. <laughs> right. It's 5-2, and there's 90 seconds to go. There's nothing that suggests that uh, you, you, you think you're still in the game. That, that, that put him at risk for a concussion or separated shoulder when he bobbled the puck in, in the neutral zone. That... Sheldon should have protected him better than that. So, I mean, listen, there's a lot of question marks surrounding this team right now. And I do say, like, context is important. Here's the hit by Cousins on Matthews. And that was because of the cross-check sure. they had of Dolly. Uh, and what you're saying is Buffalo didn't like it. You knew someone might take a run at him. Yes. At least have Simmons on there to say, like, if you're going to go at him, you're going to have to go through me. 100%. Right. Uh, but, you know, this goes kind of, like, to the overall philosophy that yeah. they, they never built a, a fourth line with that mentality. You know, when you see a, a, a Spets on it with a Simmons, it's yes, they may play anywhere between seven and ten minutes, but we're going to play a consistent uh, structure and game. And they want that, that fourth line to contribute more offense than they would having a physical element. Just look at the way it's built and look at the way they – they take chances still in the offensive zone instead of playing a real safe kind of dump and chase energy kind of Kyle Clifford. And, right. yeah, you resign him to a new two-year deal, but he's not your first thought of, of having that type of style and play. So 
it gets a little conflicting sometimes when you look at that lineup and you say, okay, you know, Simmons didn't do what probably people expected to in that game, but you didn't even put him in a position to do yeah, it. Wasn't there, yes, yeah. So uh, they, they want to win with skill. They want to beat you on the scoreboard. And that's great because that's the most important thing. But when you're not beating them on the scoreboard, you can still beat them in other ways. And right now, they're, they're, they're a one-dimensional team, high skill, and they want to they outscore their mistakes. And that's not a recipe for success in the playoffs. Or you can try and send a message to the other team that you can't do it the other way. Like, you're not going to intimidate us. You're not going to run our best they've players. Ne- they, they, they've not been, that's not Kyle Dubas. No. So there's the shot of, we just showed it, Dubas kind of walking away. Brendan Shanahan standing beside him, and it kind of encapsulated what Leaf fans thought yeah. in the moment where, you know, there was a lot of people ripping on Dubas and the team that he's built here. Do, do you think that this has changed, this little stretch here, they're playing down to their opponents again. Could it have changed their outlook on what they do at the deadline and maybe more specifically the goaltending? Yeah, I, I think it's too late for that, to, yeah. to change uh, your feelings, and especially with... Not so much what, what your philosophy is, but what's even available out there. How, how much help is out there for the pickings? And right now, I, I don't see it. We hear a lot of names, but it's not, it's not reality that the Leafs are going to shore up uh, a goaltender, one or two D, and a, and a, a left winger for Tavares and Nylander. You're just going to have to go back originally, prioritize what the most important thing it's the blue line. It always has been and will be is the blue line. If they're lucky to pluck one, maybe two guys, and then that's it, then it is what it is. But you're not, you don't have a wish list of four or five different things and you're going to hit four of them or three of them. Yeah. Be lucky if you hit one of them by this time next Monday. I don't know if it's uh, great minds think alike or fools seldom differ, but I've been saying the same thing. Like You're going to get Marc-Andre Fleury in here to play the end of the season. That's the only guy that can make a difference, and I don't know how you make it work. My understanding is he kind of shut down Canada, which meant Edmonton and Toronto. Is there a chance that he would change his mind or revisit it this week? Always the possibility, but... You know, this is also a guy that's not chasing a Stanley Cup. He's got three of them already. He's not Claude Giroux. Claude Giroux has to pick very carefully here with a a no-move clause in his contract. If Fleury said, I'm not going anywhere and I'll, I'll think about my, my future in the summer and then he ends up signing a million-dollar contract backing up for the Pittsburgh Penguins, that scenario could easily be played out as well for Marc-Andre Fleury. Hmm. Um, I, I thought it was ironic that the Leafs were wearing the hard hats going in. <laughs> we had this conversation on Will Kipper and Bourne. <laughs> Did you really? And... Uh, you know, I'm not sure. I don't sure. want to throw, like, <laughs> dirt on the, you know, kick a man when he's down. But I think they were trying yeah. to convince themselves of something. And yeah. I'm not saying that to Wayne Simmons. I'm sure the workers at Stelco felt a lot better about this before the game than right. they did after the game. Let's put it that way. Right. Uh, so let me ask you this, because earlier in the show, uh, we were talking about how the Western Conference is really starting to bunch. I mean... Uh, Vancouver wins a couple of close games during a playoff spot. Yeah. Vegas all of a sudden sliding. Robert Leonard's out. Winnipeg's playing a little bit better hockey. How much has this altered what is already yeah. a late deadline? Well, look at, let's take Winnipeg for instance. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it hasn't been a great year at all. And, you know, Shovel Dayoff still thinks that he's within reach of maybe getting a, a, a hot streak going and, and putting himself back in there. So, how much are you thinking about selling if you're uh, Winnipeg? 
Uh, same thing with the Canucks. Uh, they're right there. So, yeah, there's a, there's a few teams. I think, I think the Ducks are in a position where we're going to see them sell off two pieces, Raquel, and, and uh, they're, they're trying to sign Lindholm. Uh, I hear the money's fine. It's just a, a term situation with mm. him. So is Manson still available? Would that fit the Leafs, even though he doesn't fit the criteria of someone with term? But Josh Anderson has to be someone that Kyle's uh, considering and will have to pay a, a hefty price for that. Um, but beggars mm. can't be choosers. And right now the Leafs need desperate uh, help on that blue line. And I think Josh Manson should be a consideration this week. Manson. And there's, I would say in Sherratt, I, I really think they need one of those guys. But if you're Vancouver right now, before I let you go, like yeah. JT Miller's off the... It has to be. He has yeah. to be. He's their MVP. And there's another team that thinks that uh, if they can get hot. And Demko gives them that chance Demko's to have a huge run here. Brock Besser's the one that probably makes the most sense. But the reason why Vancouver wants to get rid of him is the same reason that you don't trade for him. And that is that you got to qualify him at $7.5 million. So for, for Brock Besser to get traded this week, what has to happen is that Vancouver has to give him and his agent the ability to negotiate a long-term deal. You do not trade for Brock Besser unless you can get past that qualifying offer and know that you have him for many uh, more years in advance. But uh, even Brock Besser was probably more of an off-season trade than he is this week. Either way, this week's going to be fun, isn't it? It always is fun. <laughs> it always it is. is. Uh, the Leafs have added to the equation with their play over the last little while. And good for the Edmonton Oilers. Nice little run. Put them into third in the Pacific. We'll see if they can hold on. Kipper, hey, love having you in Thanks, studio. Thanks, man. I love Feels being like here. Feels like times. All right, time for a break. When we come back, a Monday golf update from Rubinoff. Are we doing golf with Rubinoff? Oh, my goodness. Is on that Monday, the name of the segment? can get through it. Someone suggested golf with Rubinoff. Can that Smith? That's pot? just way too basic. Oh, did Smith do something? Kipper. Welcome back to Tim and Friends. Nick Kiprios in the studio talking about the potential of Josh Manson. Maybe a good fit with Toronto. Elliot Friedman crushing that dream of Leaf fans with this tweet. Josh Manson to Colorado during the commercial break. Drew Hellison and a pick back to Anaheim. So it is a prospect and a pick. And thanks to the couch GM who says Tim McCallum, <laughs> at Tim and Ben, Jesse Rubinoff, there goes the idea of Manson to the Leafs. I guess Ben Sherratt's name is uh, probably going to be bandied about a it, little bit more I, now. I feel like, and listen, I'm not trying to play into this. I'm, we're not a part of the trade deadline coverage, but I feel like there's a lot of pressure on Kyle Dubas going into this deadline. And I have a feeling other GMs also know that there's a lot of pressure on Kyle Dubas to do the right thing, whether it's a goalie mm-hmm. or a big D-man, they've got to do something in the meantime to help uh, this team out that has higher expectations than just one round. But that'll ease the pressure if they win one round. I am easing the pressure on Jesse Rubinoff after what was a disastrous start to our Friday golf. Have we got a <laughs> name yet for the golf segment that we introduced every Friday with Rubinoff, who's been pitching for basically a year no. to do this golf segment on Friday, and you don't have a name? No, because we're, it's a 50% success rate so far. Last Friday was okay. Well, part of it is a good name. Like, if we can sell this puppy. I, I think I want to get over a 50% hurdle rate first, and, then, and Jake, then we'll name it. Jake sent me a note on Instagram and said, golf with Rubinoff. 
Does golf and Rubinoff? It's just so enough? basic. It's just so basic. I think we should do a poll. I mean, that's what we're good at, right? We got to narrow it down. To four this choices, is Jesse but. saying that he can't come up with a name. <laughs> <sighs> Not a good start, Jesse. All right, I'll let you do Monday golf highlights here on Tim and Friends. Tell me a story. Okay, so here, the reason we're doing golf on a Monday is because the Players' Championship is still going. Crazy. It's Monday. Uh, 35 mile an hour winds, three inches of rain, single digit temperatures in the middle of Florida. That's uh, Celsius. The first round alone took 54 hours and 16 minutes to complete with four <laughs> weather delays. Yeah. So that's why we have a Monday finish for the first time since 2005. Now the conditions have given us plenty of low lights and at least one highlight we're seeing through four days of golf and we're still going, Timmy, on day number five. Um, this is a collection of the first few days Frustration's boiling over. Obviously, it's a long, difficult week. There's Matthew Wolf bailing out right on his iron shot, but check out what he does here. I could not afford to do that. <laughs> Just iron in the drink and walks away. Gone. Never to be used again. And here's the ever-colorful Tyrrell Hatton. This footage from Sky Sports. <laughs> Sounds like Tim McAuliffe, not Tyrrell Hatton. How oh, good is that? So if you've ever played uh, golf for a living, you'll completely understand what he's on about. <laughs> <laughs> so he ripped it off Twitter because it's from Sky Sports, which uh, is not NBC Sports. Uh, here's the Island Green 17. 29 balls in the water during Saturday's play alone. That's 29. Desire. That's right. Uh, up there for the most unfortunate one. Timmy, straight right. That's a shank. Okay? That replay was damning, but it wasn't all bad. The jolly Irishman Shane Lowry, also on 17. Plays his shot exactly how Pete Dye would have wanted the shot to be played. A hole in one. And Shane Lowry, one of the better guys, I think, on tour that you would want to see celebrate because he's just, he's so much fun. So, uh, yeah, this almost started a brawl. Like, what are we doing here? <laughs> like, watch this. Scrimble! Yeah. Yeah, like, disaster. three guys go down and watch this guy come out. I mean, is it worth it? Is it worth it? He signed it later, so maybe it was worth it. Here we go to the action today. Victor Hovland, one of the young up-and-comers, finishing his third round Monday morning. And we begin this highlight pack like we finished the previous what? highlight pack. The only difference with this being the par 3-8 and not the 17th. But that's another hole-in-one. Kevin Strelman hits him with the fake high five. Uh, here we go to the final round now. Par 4 first, Cameron Smith. Made some noise last year at the Masters. Starting two back of the lead, sinks a birdie putt from 38 feet. Part uh, of our picks what do you at think? the Masters. Yeah, but what do you think of his hair? I don't know. He's had that going for a while. Five birdies, the first six holes. Part four tenth. Smith coming off three straight bogeys. His approach, and this guy's dialed. Lands to within a foot of the hole. You're not worried about his mustache? But no. You're dialing on his hair? Yeah, whatever. He can do what he wants. He's a lot better than me. You're the one that asked about the hair. And then you're giving me the uh, whatever you can do what he wants. Uh, Enerban Lahiri came into the tournament with the longest odds to win. 750 to 1, Timmy. Part 5, 11, 6, the Eagle moves into a share of the lead with Smith. Part 3, 17, Smith now holding a two-shot lead. Two it's shot, an aggressive 17. line, Timmy, at the flag. Woo! Look at that. Just a few yards from going in. Do you think he meant to play with that much? I don't know. Probably that smile not. doesn't Probably say that he not. wanted to be there. It looks like he's going to win, but it's not official yet. I believe he dropped a shot on 18, and he is one up Lahiri on 18. So there's drama still at the players. This tournament refuses to end, Timmy. What kind of bird was that? I don't know. I'm not a, uh, what's the term they use for it? My mic's falling off at the back of my. Was it an eagle? Wow, how did they get it back up so quickly? It oh, that's a pelican. Isn't it? I was just naming golf scores, Jesse. <laughs> okay. Eagle, albatross. Yeah. yeah. 
But was it actually a pelican? I think it's a pelican, pelican, pelican. Anyone can tell me what it is. I would appreciate it. Um, it's a pelican. That's all I got, but a heck of a tournament. Pelican. Heck of a tournament, don't you think? Yeah, uh, we're the Canadians in the mix here. Uh, Adam Hadwin's going to finish at 7th, I believe. Taylor Pendrith, 14th. Corey Connors, 28th. And based on the Friday segment uh, where I went through the purse, yeah, there's a lot of like money a to be made. dollars to be made in this tournament. Looks like all those guys are going to get a pretty good payday. So at 7th, I hear that's like a $650,000 paycheck. For well, he's tied, he's tied with a lot oh, of other guys okay. at 7. So, but, might so they pull that bit. all together, yeah. chop it up. He's going to do okay, Timmy. He's going to do around $600,000. Around $600,000. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's a couple of hotel rooms. <laughs> For seventh at a golf tournament. What are <laughs> we doing? Before we head to break, some good news to pass along your way. Speaking of Canadians, Alfonso Davies is back. Full training with Bayern Munich. He's been out since January dealing with the myocarditis after having COVID. There's no timetable on the return to game action, though they say everything is looking good. Now, he'll... Most certainly miss Canada's final World Cup qualifying window at the end of the month. But just seeing him back in training, great sign. And perhaps, Jesse, that little jog was a road to Qatar. Love that. Davies tweeting the picture uh, with the caption. Happy to be back doing what I love most. And Fonzie, we are too. This edition of Tim and Friends, Blake Murphy will join me to discuss the Raptors' impressive weekend after wins in Phoenix and Denver. Can they keep it going in L.A. this week? Lakers, Clippers on tap. And our weekly What the Hell's Wrong with the Lakers next here on Tim and Friends. What a challenge tonight with this Suns roster and all the offensive weapons they have. Precious will dribble it up the court and throw it in. Comes to coast. Deep three. His name is Freddie All-Star. When you're on the road, you stay together, you keep fighting. Fred sends it to Trent Jr. The three. Got it. He's made eight threes. There are tough back-to-backs. This is about as tough as it gets. Buddy B takes it away. Boucher, let it fly. Siakam now running, finding Thaddeus Young. Oh, it's beautiful. How impressive is this W? Good night, Denver. It may have been the Raptors' two most impressive wins of the season because of the variance in the wins. Think of beating the NBA's best team in their building where they were 28-7 on the season and then followed it up by beating the reigning MVP and the Nuggets at altitude, second half of back-to-backs without Freddie Van Vliet. Yeah, the Suns were missing Chris Paul, but that's the same Suns team that just smacked the Lakers by 29 at home, putting up a crisp buck 40 on Los Angeles. So tonight on Sportsnet and Sportsnet 1, it is the 37 and 30 Raptors headed in to face the 29 and 38 Lakers. I mean, ponder that for a moment. The Raptors are a full eight games up on LeBron and company with less than 20 to play for both. It speaks to the culture 
that Toronto was built. Now, before you go talking about, yeah, but the Lakers have been injured, consider this. LeBron, AD, and Russ have missed a grand total of 48 games this season. The Raptors' big three, Freddie, Pascal, and OG, have missed a grand total of 49. One more than the Lakers' big three. The whole sports world talks about building the right culture. The Raptors have actually achieved it. They play with heart. They play with soul almost every night. And it has already been passed from DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry to Fred Van Vliet and, dare we say, Pascal Siakam. Even up after the ups and downs and all the criticism that he has taken, he may just have blossomed into an all-NBA dude. So here the Raptors are with 15 games to play, already surpassing Vegas's win total of 36 for the entire year yet again. That's 10 of the last 11 seasons the Raptors have hit the over in the expected win total. It is jaw-dropping for those who aren't paying attention and ho-hum for the hardcores. But it shouldn't be. That doesn't mean that they are making a run or even winning a playoff series, but it damn well should be appreciated in the moment. Just look at last year or the very same Lakers they face tonight to see how tough it can be. And yet, here are the Raptors doing it over and over and over and over and over. Shout out Marshawn Lynch. And shout out Blake Murphy of the Fan Morning Show, sportsnet.ca, who joins me now to explain or help explain. Welcome back, Blake. How are you? Good, man. How are you doing? Uh, I'm well. So, like, I wanted people to kind of sit back and understand what the Raptors are doing yet again. And I thought the, the Lakers are a wonderful comparison for just how tough it can be year in and year out to do it. And the Raptors this year, yet again, hitting, as I saw on your Twitter over the weekend, that over-expected win total in Vegas, 10 of the last 11 seasons. That's culture, is it not? I think that's a big part of it for sure. And the early part of that streak, and look, this is not this is not a streak that happens often. It's pretty much unprecedented for a team to this consistently hit the the market expectation. Um, I, I would say early on in that streak, there's a little bit of, yeah, maybe people didn't believe in the Kyle DeMar Raptors or, or there was a little bit of, you know, Toronto being undersold or whatever. Um, I think the last five or six years of this is definitely a culture thing. And it's definitely, you know, there have been years where it's a depth thing. There have been years where it's a young guy stepping up thing. There have been years where it's, hey, everything just kind of clicks. Like that 2019, 2020 run it back year, um, you know, the expectations were all over the place. Will they blow it up? Will they not blow it up? Right. Um, so they, them consistently beating this every year except the Tampa year, like eventually this streak is going to end, but I don't know how you bet against them hitting the over-under uh, anytime soon. Anyone who watches this show knows that uh, we brought this up to Nick Nurse and Bobby Webster on Raptors Media Day before the season started, and like it was a thing. They knew exactly what I was speaking of when I brought up 36 and a half wins. They knew what they had done in the previous years. Uh, who gets the most credit for this run? Is it Masai Ujiri just because he's been around for most of it? Is it Dwayne Casey for setting that culture? Like I remember talking to him when I had a podcast with Sid back at the score, and he came in and he was saying, uh, we're going to change the culture. And I said, hold on, coach. Like, 
Down the rock. Yeah. How many times have I heard this story before about changing the culture? And he brought the rock. They pounded the rock. And he did help change that culture. Who do you think deserves the most credit for this? Yeah, it's definitely a shared thing. You can yeah. go through the coaches, the the front office, the players, uh, the excellent Raptors media who obviously nudge them in the right direction with things. <laughs> um, anytime you have a streak like this, it's a little bit of everything. I, I do think, though, the culture piece is real where, where they've – you know, not only have they tried consistently to identify players who might be undervalued, they've tried to identify personalities who thrive in that sort of system, right? I, I remember yes. back to the Norman Powell draft, and one of the reasons they liked him was that he profiled personality-wise as a guy who, if he's out of the rotation or he has to go down to the G League, he's going to use that as fuel. He's not going to let that shake his confidence. He's not going to, that's not going to cause him to withdraw. And that those things are imperfect. It's not an exact science with those things, but I do think that example and the Fred Van Bleed example speak to, yes. Hey, not only is this a team that puts together rosters that are better than you might think, but they also instill that culture of it's a good thing that people only think you're going to win 36 games, right? You can catch people sleeping a little bit. You can wear that chip on your shoulder. It's whiteboard material, all that stuff that, you know, you mentioned Dwayne Casey, DeMar DeRozan, a huge component of setting that yep. culture as well. And Kyle Lowry a little later, um, you know, the prove them, the, the understand the grind, all that stuff. Um, it can seem a little hokey in isolation at times, but you add all those things together and that's the consistent message. Like imagine you're a rookie, imagine you're Justin Champagne and you come in as an undrafted free agent to this program in the summer and you see Fred Van Vliet, literally only the fourth undrafted player ever to make the all-star game. And he's there and he's the example setter. How do you not fall in line and buy into the culture? Correct. At that point? I, I, I firmly believe and I believe the same thing happened in San Antonio when you're just so happened that your best players were also hard workers. Like when you play with Tim Duncan and David Robinson, how can you not work your ass off uh, when you look at those two guys and do what they do? And I think that you can go back in history outside of the remarkably and generational talents. Uh, and Jordan was both <laughs> a generational talent and a guy that worked his ass off. I think like when you set that culture, it's hard to walk off because I think the Raptors are a perfect example of hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. There's a bunch of teams that have been in the lottery every year grabbing all these guys who you and I look at and go, this guy could change your team, and they don't. Look at the Sacramento Kings and the New York Knicks. Every time they get a, a stitch of momentum, it's either the front office sees the next shiny thing and pivots off or, or the culture erodes and there's a whole bunch of different coaches that come through. Um, you know, I even think you look at the Golden State Warriors kind of dynasty that they've had and they've had a yep. lot of stuff break right for them. The 2016 cap explosion at the right time. You know, they pass on Draymond for Festus Azili and then Draymond's there with their, with their second round pick. They've had some good fortune, but that's also a, a franchise that's, built a culture around, hey, Steph is this tiny little guy who people are doubting and doesn't have good ankles, and then suddenly he can deadlift 450 and is, <laughs> you know, a, a pretty pretty strong and tough guy, and you have that buy-in defensively as well. I think the Memphis Grizzlies are a great example of a team that's kind of seeing the returns of that culture building from the last few years now, and it's turning into actual success. And you hope that that carries through to, you know, as guys get paid and you bring in new guys, that that, that can kind of snowball from there and keep meaning good things. But the Cleveland Cavaliers are another team that Try. a lot of what the rebuild's yep. been about has been about resetting that that post-LeBron culture. So I think it's a, it's a tough thing to grasp. It's a tough thing to touch. Um, but it's kind of one of those things you, you know it when you feel it. 
And the Raptors are a great example of that. And you better do it in a small market. Um, a lot of people were trying to figure out what the last couple weeks or week was, but is that just the margins being that thin? For the, like, I, I, I went on, the, on Nick Nurse in the minutes and how much he played these minutes and these guys were getting hurt because of the minutes, and I might have to take that back. Like, I might have to circle back on that one because the margins just seem like they're that thin where you lose to bad teams and then you go and get the two wins that you just got when you got your guys back. Yeah, it's tough. The minutes thing, you know, we don't minutes is the only data point we see. We don't get to see some of the sports science stuff that they look at. Yep. But anytime you have multiple guys in the top 10, it's going to stand out, right? Even if you're just looking at it from a fascination standpoint, I'd also say that maybe they're in terms of projecting the Raptors forward. You have to keep in mind that they play their guys so much because yes. in the postseason, other teams are going to start to play their stars more. So maybe other teams get a little boost in the postseason that the Raptors don't get because they do play a seven or eight man rotation so often but the margins are slim and it's funny the raptors have almost as good a record against the league's top 10 teams at 11 and 12 as they do against the bottom 10 teams at 11 and 10. Um, they're 25th in the league against the worst teams in the league and top 10 against that middle tier of the league and the top tier of the league so um, it's not just this week it's not an anecdotal thing this has been an all-season thing and i don't know you know I, I can explain some of you lock in better on defense against a tough opponent and the star stopping stuff they try to do defensively just works better against a star. I don't have an explanation for why they can't hit threes against bad teams. That's not an effort or attention to detail thing. That's mostly no. just a random thing. And maybe who knows, maybe Gary Trent's cold streak had a lot of bad opponents in it. And Fred Van Vliet's absences right. have, but that, that one's a little tougher to explain why they can't shoot against the Detroit's and Orlando's. Uh, that's, that's one of those head scratchers. Uh, while I'm scratching my head, can you tell me what the hell's wrong with the Lakers? Nope. Um, I mean, look, you, we just talked about the culture piece for that small markets have used to build, right? And the yeah. Lakers don't have to do that because there's this level of Lakers exceptionalism. And to be honest, guys want to go there, right? Like it's never going to be tough for the Lakers if they're semi-competent to draw more guys in. But you look at the history of what has worked around LeBron and you try to project ahead of yes. what might work with LeBron as he ages. And they didn't check those boxes. They went old over young with the exception of like Malik Monka and Taylor Horton Tucker. They went kind of non shooting over shooting. They went big over small and, and all these decisions that maybe LeBron had a hand in. Sure. Maybe he wanted mellow and he wanted Russ and he wanted, you know, a center alongside Anthony Davis so he can play the three. But the evidence for a long time has suggested that's not the best way to surround LeBron James. So you talk about culture helping these smaller teams at the margins. It's also hurt the Lakers at the margins. And now, honestly, beyond the margins, they're going to have to win two playing games just to get into the playoffs. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, LeBron, the player, much better than LeBron, the GM. I would agree with you. I will say this. Kendrick Nunn, like, that, I, I, I'm not going to say that he's a great player, but he was a part of what they were trying to do. You're shaking your head sure, at me. But if you're saying that things no, went awry because he's Kendrick Nunn yeah, didn't no. play, I think that speaks to a, a larger issue there. Right, but it might put him in seventh or sixth or somewhere where they weren't just battling to get into the playoffs. Blake, love talking basketball with you. Thanks for doing this, man. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Enjoy March Madness. Uh, you too. A lot of Canadians. Shout out Ben Matherin, by the way. About to oh, get yeah. all the love that he should have gotten for the last year since he played for Canada. Thanks, Blake. Thanks, Tim. Uh, and by the way, lots of Canadians on significant teams. One seeds with Canadians. Uh, Benedict Matherin, Arizona. 
the guy's got a lottery pick. It's going to be fun. Time for one last break. We'll check in with Ron Tara, head of Rogers Hometown Hockey. Plus, get you tip of the cap and last call if we have time. Last call is next. Ron Tara next. Welcome back. Our Monday tip of the cap goes to Team Gushu, who won the Briar for the fourth time, but this time with a team of three. That's right. Gushu's ring from Newfoundland and Labrador took down Alberta in a performance for the ages as a three-man team after Mark Nichols was ruled out with a positive COVID test. Now, having won Olympic bronze last month, Gushu delivered against the odds to take the Canadian championship and made a special delivery of the trophy to Nichols Hotel. This is the best Nicky Nicky Nine Doors ever. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Uh, it was so Wait, good. Did you take it out? Leave it that's to the boys from The Rock. Enjoy it. <laughs> it looks like it's bigger than the door frame. It's a huge trophy. That's one way to get the, the briar delivered to you. Uh, awesome stuff and a tip of the cap to Team Gushu who are basically rock stars out east if you ever go with them. Uh, fun times. Uh, speaking of rock stars, a reminder, hometown hockey will follow us 7 Eastern, 4 Pacific on Sportsnet ahead of the Coyotes and the Sens. Ron and Tara are in studio for the final time before heading back on the road next week. We're all excited with a preview of what you'll see tonight. Let's send it live. Ron McLean, Tara Sloan. Hello, friends. Hello. You know what? I just want to say, actually, Ron gave me a special COVID delivery last week. That's right. A bottle of wine and some COVID tests. So it wasn't exactly the Briar Trophy, but Funny. I'll take it. Seeing that trophy was like uh, Nichols. You know how he throws uh, heavy, heavy weight, right? Uh, but that's the best takeout he's ever had. So uh, I think it's up to us here, okay? Yes. Oh, did we just take it, Tim? Did you want to say, I thought you were going to teach me some Steel City slang. <laughs> no, I'm staying away from any sort of Steel City Scarborough slang. You guys take it away. Yeah, yeah. I'm, not, right. I'm stepping back. What are you back. excited about, Tara, back in studio for our final time for tonight? Well, it is nice to be here. I haven't been here in a couple of weeks. Uh, of course, it's great that we get to head back out on the road. We do have a special announcement, maybe a couple of added stops. Uh, I'm excited to meet Nina Rogers. Nina Rogers is a two-time NCAA champion. Uh, she's an assistant coach at Dartmouth College. They've turned out a whole bunch of talent, including uh, Laura Stacy. So we'll chat with her. You know, Tim, we're going to weave through the Ottawa. Everybody loves their prospects. We've got an unbelievable feature on Tim Stutzla coming up in the second intermission tonight. But Shane Doan will join us. Also, Pierre Maguire, who's, as you know, part of the management team now in Ottawa. Gary Galley. And we'll point a little bit to uh, especially the defense. Uh, Jake Sanderson, Jeff's his dad joined us for Rogers Hometown Hockey in Whitehorse, Yukon. Uh, boy, this kid's uh, amazing at North Dakota. So they've got a lot of great prospects on the blue line. And be, be exciting to watch the Sens. Always is. You don't know what you're going to get. Last time they played Arizona, Tara, right. was a wild one. Well, yes, of course. Nick good. Schmaltz, right? Nick Seven Schmaltz. points in that game, 8-5 game. So we're looking forward to that. Only game in town, Tim. Uh, so. I will say this. <laughs> as a guy who's worked in both, and no slang, just talk. Like a guy who's worked in both. I worked in Hamilton. I've worked in Toronto. I, I thought there was a, a wonderful marriage of Toronto, Buffalo, and Hamilton yesterday at the Heritage Classic. Mm -hmm. Great job, as always. I love watching those games. Twas. Yeah, uh, thanks to uh, Steve Milton at The Spectator. I was telling Tara on the drive down, uh, he gave me so many little tidbits of love for the place Carrie and I lived, Ancaster, actually up on the hill. Uh, so, yeah, it was a sensational weekend, and even the Bulldogs have uh, Oshawa tonight out there at uh, Tim Hortons Field. Uh, awesome. Uncle Milty uh, used to help me out in Tie Cats halftimes all the time, so it's nice to hear uh, Steve Milton. Nice to hear you guys. Nice to have Tara back, uh, and looking forward to seeing you guys on the road next week. We are, too. All right.
There is Tara and Ron Hometown Hockey coming up in mere moments. Right after last call with Jesse Rubinoff. Here we go. Ruby, let's go. go. A little rapid fire off the top here. A couple updates for you. Uh, the Arizona Coyotes PR sending out um, an update on Jacob Chikrin. Suffered a lower body injury on Saturday against the Bruins. Will be out of the lineup two to four weeks. Now this is significant because he is a trade target for many teams. Uh, you notice who retweeted that. Yeah, Elliot Friedman. Elliot Friedman retweeted you that. You know why Elliot Friedman... Oh my God, <laughs> Elliot Friedman retweeted that. <laughs> Elliot Friedman—that's not easy. I'll retweeted that because he is now off. Maybe people are going to have to see medical reports before they trade right. for right. Jacob Chikrin. That's significant. Yeah, I mean lower body injury. Let's get it sorted and tell us what's actually going on here. Sometimes okay? Elliot does wear those suits where we could call him Elliot Tweedman, yeah. but whatever. <laughs> uh, okay. Speaking of, um, he would be a chicken would be a good snag if you could get him at the trade deadline. And how about this? Josh Norris heard NFL free agency open today, and this is a uh, pretty good snag. Oh, not bad. Some, some little OBJ back in the day. Not bad at all. Anything about that? Oh, do you do that? Yeah, I, can't, I don't have the. I don't have the. Uh, uh, I did it with Justin Dunk in studio. Is what the producers are referring to. Um, to ask me, although he didn't really. <laughs> that's aggressive. He, he, people try and catch like just the tip, <laughs> and uh, it's very hard to do. Mm. Uh, but he did it there. Uh, so Norris, why'd you look catch. at me that way? Norris can catch, hmm? and uh, Freddie oh, Freeman can right. also catch. And uh, let's just pour a little bit more on the Freddie Freeman flame. Um, Michael K. This is according to Reddit. Michael K. has twice and, and your said boy on his Jack radio sandwich? show, Jack Sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> New Michael York K. Yankees Reddit posted by Jack Sandwich. <laughs> Michael K. has twice said on his radio show this hour that he's hearing Freddie Freeman to Toronto. Now this isn't a Jays Reddit. Uh, group. This is a Yankees Reddit group, which perhaps makes it a little bit more, uh, I don't know if trustworthy is the right word. It is Reddit well, Michael after all, K. would have ins with the Yankees, given the fact that he is the play-by-play voice of the Yankees. So if you were to list the favorites once Atlanta's out on Freddie Friedman, it probably would have went Dodgers-Yankees in that order. And now you're saying, okay, so the top two of three could be out of the mix if you trust what Michael Kay is saying on his show. Do you think at some point tomorrow, Freddie Freeman becomes a Toronto Blue Jay? I, I, listen, because of what we did off the top of the show, like I don't want to get caught in this, we were saying Freddie Freeman signed and he didn't sign. Mm-hmm. We were giving you information and I do believe that you're grown up enough to understand sure. what we're doing here. But... Listen, if you had given me odds on the Toronto Blue Jays signing Freddie Freeman before the day, I would have said 15%. If you're asking me now, like, it's up to like 60. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I am, I am getting the feeling like if it's down to the Dodgers and the, and the Jays, if you're listening to a lot of these people. Right. But it makes sense for the Dodgers, and maybe they're just pushing up the number on the Dodgers. There's definitely smoke. We'll see if there's fire. All right, moving on with last call. It's no secret Kevin Garnett and Ray Allen have had uh, beef quite some time. After Allen left the Celtics to join LeBron James and the Heat back in 2012, then we saw this snub at this year's All-Star game. Now, yesterday... (laughs) So good. That's Ray Allen walking up and Kevin Garnett. It's so good. Uh, The Celtics retired KG's number five in Boston. And, Timmy, we got this moment. 
Now I want to say something, man. I want. It's good to see Ray Allen here, man. Real. Sh hey, Lord. It's good to see you here, Ray. You next, Lord. Yeah, I don't know about Paul Pierce making it about himself at the end there, but are you happy? Where's well, uh, the big three? Yeah, Come on, a lot of beef is between on. the two of them. People ripping on Paul Pierce. Those are his homies, and now they're friends again. Hug Let them. him have his Hug moment. Them. Hug them uh, the side of the court. You don't need to do it in that moment. <laughs> are you happy this long feud is over? The crowd went bananas. The crowd was going bananas, anyways. Did you like it as much as I did? You happy this feud's over? Yeah, honestly, like uh, the gem cannot be polished without friction. Uh, oftentimes in life, uh, you battle. Oftentimes in life, mm. there are things that uh, cause people to separate. Uh, but more often in life, we should do what Kevin Garnett and Ray Allen did, which was remember your dudes. Make sure that, I, I mean, Ray Allen had to show up for this night. <laughs> uh, KG had to call him out on this night. But to see this and to hear that crowd, it was a couple hairs in the back oh, of my neck. Stood up watching sure. that yesterday. Yeah, yeah it was awesome. Uh, okay, stop me if you heard this one before, okay? Um, Marie-Philippe Poulain scored the overtime winner <laughs> for Canada in a game against the United States just during Saturday's rivalry rematch, an exhibition organized by the PWHPA. <laughs> Even when she doesn't mean to do it, I she mean, does it. Like, that was a pass, right? Yeah, like, it, <laughs> it just, yeah, it just finds her. Like, the clutch gene just finds her somehow. Yeah. Like, do you have a, a moment in your... Uh, illustrious storied athletic career oh, that rivals. Doubt. Oh, you do? Oh, without a doubt. Grade 8, uh, we went to the Senator O'Connor High School Basketball Tournament, mm -hmm. and I got fouled with about 8 seconds left on the clock, down 1. I hit the free throw, and I banked it in by accident because <laughs> I was pooping my pants. And then I realized I have to bank in the second one to make the first one look like I did it on purpose. I hit the second one, stole the inbounds, love, peace, and hair grease. Uncle Timmy's got his owl buddy. Did you catch any flack for uh, banking it? You didn't call does it anyone, bank, obviously. Does anyone know the Al Bundy moment anymore? The producers are saying yes. Yes, he doesn't. He's too young for that. That was my Polkai moment. That does it for us. I'll take my hand out of my pants and say this is what's coming up here on the network. Al Bundy used to put his hand in. Ron and Tyra up next. Hometown Hockey on Sportsnet, followed by Coyotes and the Sens. Some great basketball on the network, including the Raptors and the Lakers. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.